0: Farmers and Distillers Dining Room and Patio are now open and accepting reservations. They're following all the government guidelines so you can choose to dine out safely or if you want to stay in, they've got you covered. You can order for curbside pickup or delivery online at FarmersAndDistillers.com. They're also still offering a robust one-stop shop Founding Farmers Market and Grocery for all your daily grocery needs. Offerings include fresh produce, a prepared foods market, full bakery, butcher and deli, house churned ice cream, house roasted coffee, wine, beer and more. Visit FoundingFarmersMarket.com to order. Same day delivery of Hey, it's Gary and Shannon. You're about to embark on yet another great adventure with the Gary and Shannon Show. A reminder we want you to make sure that you look at the iHeart app and hit the follow button on the Gary and Shannon Show podcast so that you can get updates on what's going on with our podcast. Mm -hmm. Don't forget to share it as well.
1: Get it? It's adventure music.
0: Also, share it on Facebook, Twitter, wherever you have that opportunity, and tell a friend about what you're listening to when you listen to the Gary and Shannon Show. It
2: started as a scritch, then everyone got in a fur pile, and pretty soon we were all yiffing. Gary Hoffman. Who is that guy? Love your suit. Shannon Barron.
3: She's just a driven young woman. I
4: don't know where she gets it.
2: Do you guys know what this is? Gary and Shannon.
4: Places, please. The dance is about to begin. You know it's fine. I got.
1: Gary and Shannon. Now, I don't believe in coincidences, but Gary is not here today. And the Westworld season two premiere was last night. Could those be connected? I don't know. Uh, there was a 21 pitch at bat that took 12 minutes and 45 seconds at a Giants game last night. Is that connected? I don't know. There's a royal baby. Is he overcome with emotion? Welcoming the third royal baby for, probably is for He's Kate and William? Tears like, I don't know. I don't know, but these all seem plausible, right? Yes. Did you hear what they're going to name that baby? No. All the bets, the big bets are on Arthur. I mean, talk about the ridiculousness of a baby Gary. Think about a baby Arthur. Well, there is precedent. There was I mean, a King Arthur before. Yes, but who looks at a baby and says Arthur? You know?
3: That's true. I mean,
1: I don't want to judge. I don't want to judge the Royals. Well, you, you mentioned the Royals. I should
3: say that it's all the news services are flashing. Oh, my God. The Duchess of Cambridge has left the hospital. Mm. Apparently, they're on their way home.
1: Yay. You know, I, I don't have the enthusiasm shared by every other person in America about the Royals. I don't either. Yeah. I, just, I think we're, like, all alone on our little island. I don't have it. Don't we have babies here? Don't we have uh, fine American babies that we can rejoice about? Little baby Arthurs around here somewhere? <laughs> All right, no, but we start with the big news this morning. Press conference just wrapping up there in Nashville. ABC News' Jim Ryan joins us with the latest on this manhunt for the shooter from the Waffle House over the weekend. Jim, what is the latest?
5: Good morning, Ken. There wasn't a whole lot of news coming out of this news conference. We did learn something about the movements of this suspect, Travis Ranking, in the hours, maybe the days before this all happened. Uh, we know that uh, he stole a BMW from a dealership. Uh, according to the police, they here's what happened. He walked in posing as a customer at a BMW dealership. Said he wanted to do a test drive. Uh, they gave him the key fob, and then they said, "Hey, we all we need your driver's license. We have got to uh, get your license information uh, for this test drive." Well, he refused do it and walked out. Well, he still had the keys. He uh, opens up the BMW and drives away. Uh, There was a pursuit uh, through heavy traffic around Nashville. This is our guy. This is the a suspect in this quadruple killing uh, in a police chase. Of course, it had not yet happened. The police eventually said, screw it, you know, traffic's too heavy. There's a GPS tracker in that car. Anyway, let's just leave him alone before somebody gets hurt in this chase. Uh, it, it eventually was followed. The car was followed to... Uh, or the, uh, the GPS followed the car, Nobody, there were no police there, to an apartment complex, and it was found parked there and, uh, and taken away. Nobody knew, though, at that point who had taken it. So uh, during the search today of the apartment of the suspect, Travis Ryan King, they found that key fob so they know that he's the person who stole that car a couple of weeks ago now it's completely unrelated to what happened yesterday the killing of these four people at this waffle house in Antioch Tennessee and the search for Travis Rankin uh, uh, continues they still have not found him 160 local police officers with ATF and FBI and state troopers still on the loose
1: now walk us through what happened early yesterday morning when he arrives at this waffle house uh, i'm yeah. told that he spent some time outside before the action began
5: right yeah he sat in his pickup truck for we're told three or four minutes Shannon, and then i mean he just had a watching people who inside this little restaurant uh, he steps out of the vehicle he's wearing a jacket and nothing else a green jacket and nothing else at all Uh, So he's he's got an AR-15 with him. He levels it and shoots, uh, kills two people in the parking lot, walks into the building, uh, starts shooting inside there. They they injured four people inside. Two of those folks would later die. And uh, one of the other injuries, one of the other people with a a grazing uh, bullet wound, And there was a lull in the uh, gunfire. And that man, James Shaw, was able to grab the red hot barrel of that AR-15, pull it away, throw it behind the counter. He tried to wrestle. Travis Ryan to the floor. Uh, you know, run King managed to get outside and run, but at that point he was completely naked. His jacket was on the ground. Uh, he still has not been found. The first tweet from the police, in fact, uh, it was about a naked man running away from the Waffle House in uh, Antioch, and uh, we now know that that was uh, Travis Ryan King. It's thought that he still has at least one gun with him—a handgun. He, they knew that he had four. We also know that last year the, the Secret Service had arrested him outside the White House. He was in a restricted area, and uh, this—you this, uh, know—that uh, somehow he managed to get his guns back. And uh, according to the police, used one of them yesterday to kill four people.
6: Yeah,
1: he naked uh, in the woods, without food or water. And it's, it's cold there. It's, what, 64 degrees, slightly rainy? Uh, you can only survive in the woods for so long before you got to get you got to get some water there. Uh, the fact that he has one gun with him makes me think that he may have already taken his own life, possibly.
5: Well, certainly that's one theory that's being floated around, you know. Um, once the, I mean, the weather has cleared out now, they should be able to get a helicopter in the air. In fact, I saw some earlier flying around. They may be able to get a uh, your infrared camera up on a uh, helicopter, taking a look around at the heat-seeking device, then would we'll be able to, to spot anybody down who's uh, either alive or, or has recently died. So you know, that, that may help in this. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, that's one theory that's, that's being floated around. But still the police aren't going to take any chances and tell the public, "Well, don't worry about it. He might have committed suicide." They want everyone very cautious and watching and looking for anything suspicious. And if they see a guy uh, who matches the description, I mean, the picture of this guy's all over the place and uh, they want to they want to call.
1: What are they doing with the schools there in Nashville? Uh, yesterday they were saying that they would put them in in sign of, some sort of modified lockdown if, if the if the hunt continued into this morning.
5: Well, the the, uh, the police and federal agency went out and they searched all of the schools within, oh, I don't know, two or three miles of the Waffle House just to make sure that he wasn't hiding inside. Uh, once they uh, had cleared all of the campuses and were satisfied that this man wasn't around, then they felt comfortable enough at least to, uh, to run the school buses and to get kids in school. So they are in class today. Uh, But I I think you're right. I mean, teachers and and, uh, principals, I suspect, are a little nervous, probably parents, too, knowing that there's this guy potentially running around out here.
1: Jim Ryan with the very latest there coming out of Nashville, Tennessee. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Shannon. He mentioned that this shooter was stopped by the Secret Service last year at the White House. He had gone there to meet the president. There's also some other troubling incidents in this guy's recent past. Uh, Definitely a see-something, say-something guy. And, you know, it's always the parents that know. They know when they have a bad seed. They know when their bad seed is getting into some trouble, and these parents were no different. And dad today is admitting that yes, his son's guns were taken away by authorities, but that he gave them back to his son. Now, this does not mean that the dad would be on the hook for any sort of aiding and abetting, but should he? Should we change the way that stuff is done? We're gonna get into that when we come back. Also, the guy who's being called a hero in this situation, James Shaw. Jim mentioned him. We're gonna play for you some sound because he says, "You know what? I'm not. I'm not a hero. I was just trying to save my own ass, basically." And uh, I like that kind of honesty. We'll do that. Also, your chance to win a thousand dollars coming up. Brought to you by Cunning Dental. Need a new smile? Call Cunning Dental for a free exam. 640 smile. Gary and Shannon. Gary is away. He'll be back tomorrow. Shannon, with your chance right now at
2: $1,000. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword money to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's money to 200-200.
1: And remember, you got to answer the phone even if it's from a number you don't recognize. It's going to be a number that you don't recognize when they call you to tell you that you won the same way they called Joyce and Artesia, Suzanne and Lancaster, Mark and Grand Terrace. You know any of these people, now is the time to hit them up for money because they won $1,000. Your next chance to win is next hour. And if you don't, no worries. You've got a chance to win $1,000 once an hour, 5 a.m. to 7 p.m. Monday through Friday. We were talking about this Waffle House shooting over the weekend. Uh, The big news this morning is the suspect is still at large. The Metropolitan Nashville Police Department held a news conference saying that there have been no confirmed sightings of this guy, Travis Ryan King. Um, But the police are pointing out that this is somebody who went into the woods with no clothes on. They do believe he may have a handgun, but no supplies, no food, no water. So he's going to have to uh, come out at some point if he's still living here. Four people were killed at that Waffle House yesterday early in the morning. Uh, Four others injured. We're talking about his past because as it happens in these cases and it's so hard to realize is there are a number of red flags, red flags that rise to the level of police intervention. The authorities in Illinois actually have a number of past reports dealing with this guy. There were multiple red flags pointed to a guy who was very disturbed with paranoid delusions in May 2016, Ryan King told deputies that Taylor Swift was stalking him and hacking his phone, that she wanted to meet up with him at a, a Dairy Queen, I believe. So there's that. That's, that's a red flag. Another sheriff's report said that Ryan King barged into a community pool in Tremont, Illinois, last June, jumped into the water wearing a pink woman's coat over his underwear, and made mention of having an AR-15 rifle that was in his car at the time. But it was never displayed, so no charges were filed. And then last July, Ryan King makes his way to D.C., was arrested by the U.S. Secret Service after he crosses into a restricted area near the White House. Refusing to leave, says he's there to, to meet the president. wonder how often that happens. Now, he was not armed at the time, but at the FBI's request, and good job, FBI, the state police in Illinois revoke this guy's state firearms card. They seized four guns from him at the time. The AR-15 used in the shootings was among those firearms that were seized. And it makes you wonder about the protocol. You know, when, when they do take away someone's guns for acting crazy, well, and then dad's able to go to the authorities and say, ah, shucks, can I get those guns back? I won't let my son have them. Because that seems to be the case. Oh, I wanted to mention this report, too. In August, Ryan King told police he wanted to, he actually went to the police and said he wanted to file a report about 20 to 30 uh, people tapping into his computer and phone, people barking like dogs outside his uh, residence there. He agreed to go to a local hospital for an evaluation after repeatedly resisting the request. Deputies did return the guns to dad on the promise that he would keep the weapons secure and out of the possession of Travis. But he gave them back, guys. And that's what I don't understand. Now, dad's not an aider or an abetter because he did assist in the commission of a crime. You don't have to be there to aid and abet someone in a murder. But you have to know what they're going to do with that gun. You have to know there's criminal intent in place. And it doesn't look like dad knew that. Now, the victims that were fatally shot at the Waffle House, uh, you got to mention their names, don't you? I have, a time, I have a hard time mentioning shooters' names, but it's important that we remember the people that were taken away when a crazy person is able to have a gun. Torian Sanderlin was one of the people shot in the parking lot, 29 years old. Joe Perez, 20 years old, of Nashville. Sanderlin worked at the restaurant Perez's mother posted a picture of her son on Facebook, asked for prayers, saying it was the hardest day of her life. She says, me and my husband and sons are broken right now with this loss. Our lives are shattered. Can you imagine what that's like? You get a call in the middle of the night saying, uh, oh, your your son was at Denny's, and somebody burst in naked with a gun, and sorry, uh, ma'am, but uh, your son was killed. Just the complete lack of logic that somebody who's crazy enough to bust into a Waffle House naked and armed would be able to take your loved one away from you. What world is that that you live in that that's able to happen? One of the people killed inside, De'Ebony Groves, 21-year-old student at Nashville's Belmont University. Exceptional student, made the dean's list regularly, great basketball player, brilliant, everyone says, super hard worker, Aquila DeSelva, also killed inside the restaurant, 23 years old, rap artist, music video producer who had such great skills behind the camera. He was a favorite in Nashville. To be a favorite in Nashville when it comes to musicians and recording labels, you have to be great at what you do. And then there was James Shaw Jr., this 29-year-old guy who everyone's calling a hero except for James Shaw Jr.
7: really wasn't a a process of thinking. It was more so of a a, a now. um, You have to do this now or it's not going to be. If if I let him load that weapon, it wasn't going to be another window. It wasn't going to be another chance. It was pretty much like shooting fish in a barrel because literally it was pretty much like this, a brick wall behind us, and it was nowhere to go.
1: He was able to take the gun from a shooter when the shooter took a break from the killing.
7: He was trying to reload. Not exactly sure, but I saw my opportunity in my window. So I took it and uh, I ran through the door as fast as I can and uh, just kind of mo- jammed him up with the gun when it pointed down. And then we started kind of wrestling for it and scuffling and fighting for it. And um, after he, he let it go with one hand and then when he just had had it in his other hand, I just took it and I tossed it over the um the counter and uh I pretty much removed him out of the restaurant with myself and then he kind of walked off by himself
1: and mind you, grabbing a gun that has just been fired is extremely painful. That thing is on fire.
7: I grabbed the close to the i guess the barrel of the Of the gun. Um, It's actually burnt in this, I guess, this little region here.
4: Oh, because of my hand? The gun had just gone off. Yeah, it was just
7: discharging, so um, it's it's burnt pretty much up here, and then it's actually wrapped here into here.
1: He was so upset, and not upset, but so put off by everyone calling him a hero because he said, listen, I was just trying to save my own life. But he was so... uh, Put off by all the attention, he decided to organize a fundraiser. Uh, and by this morning, it's about thirty thousand dollars raised for the victims and their families. What an incredible story! There, uh, we're going to stay on this manhunt again. This guy has not been seen anywhere. Took off into the woods, half na- no, completely naked, I think, because uh, he uh, he started shooting with a jacket on and then left the jacket there. Took off running naked. So he's been in the woods. For more than a day, no food, no water. He does have a gun. We will uh, stay on top of that. Because those are some tense moments there in Nashville. Coming up next, Avicii. Coachella comes to an end with quite the tribute to Avicii. He nearly joins the 27 Club and pretty much does in every other aspect other than the fact that he died on Friday at 28 years old. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. 640. Gary will be back tomorrow. Barbara Bush's service on Saturday. I loved uh, this anecdote that came from it. Presidential historian John Meacham did the eulogy at Saturday's service and he remembered a funny moment from the final days of Barbara Bush's life. Of course, she was very smart but had a great sense of humor that went along with it. She's in the hospital and it's like just before she dies. She's in the hospital, and she asks her doctor if he'd like to know why her eldest child, former President George W., quote, turned out the way he did. Those were her words. And then she announced, I smoke and drank while I was pregnant. not that great? Sense of humor right till the end. We'll get into more of that. Oh, do you see the picture? the picture was all everyone was talking about, about the Barbara Bush funeral. We'll get into it during Swamp Watch. It was uh, the, the Clintons, the Bushes, the Obamas, and Melania. It was basically everyone the president hates with <laughs> a fire, and then his wife hanging out with them. Of course, we'll stay on top of the Waffle House manhunt. This guy who's naked in the woods took off on the run, and then Coming up next, we've got terror in the skies. A woman uh, has gets into a little bit of a trouble on a Delta flight. And I think we've kind of all been there. I mean, we haven't all toppled a drink card or thrown coffee on passengers or attacked an air marshal. But you can kind of understand it, can't you? Let's give her a break. Avicii. AFP wrote it this way. Rock and roll had Buddy Holly... The psychedelic era had Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin. Grunge had Kurt Cobain. Now electronic music, electronic dance music has Avicii. Swedish DJ. He was like the, uh, he's kind of the grandfather of electronic music, even though he was only 28. That's how young of a demo electronic dance music has. Of course, you're not going to be, you know, 38 years old and uh, at at raves. If they even still call them that at raves, you know, doing ecstasy or whatever the new ecstasy is. I mean, if you are, that's fine. You know, your life. Aren't they called EDM parties now? Okay. EDM parties. That sounds good. So raves is, is gone out of the lexicon. I think so. All right. Damn it, Amy. Point out my unhipness when it comes to Well, I know a certain parties. reporter's
3: father who likes to go to these parties. Tell me more. You
1: work with her sometimes. Her. Not me. Interesting. Oh, Monica Ricks? Yes. No way. Yeah. That's worth a couple segments.
6: They are still raves, just so you guys know. They are. Yeah, raves oh, see? are definitely a thing. I'll take There that. you go. Yeah. I
1: am still hip. <laughs> but is it, it's a da- the daisy stuff, oh, right? Electric daisy, daisy, daisy carnival. That's, right? yeah. Ah. Yes, yeah. that's what he likes. He was not a pioneer of electronic dance music, Avicii. Uh, not a pioneer of the scene or or anything. I mean, this was something that was going on in the late 90s, if I remember correctly. I had friends that would go to these shows. <laughs> but he showed what would be and what could be the mainstream possibilities of ele- electronic dance music. Blake was just playing Levels. That was one of the first big ones that... It had radio-like ability. You don't always turn on the radio and hear electronic dance music. And some of the kids that that love this music love the fact that it's not on the radio, right? It's like their own thing. It's their own underground scene. And not everybody can have access to it. But Avicii made like radio-friendly, family-friendly kind of electronic dance music. He had become an elder in this group. Uh, he talked about artistic and commercial overreaches of this He did team up with Madonna at one point, which helped his mainstream likability. He teamed up with Coldplay on Sky Full of Stars. They think that uh, it was his most influential moment in 2013 when he headlined the Ultra Music Festival in Miami. A year after he invited uh, Madonna as a surprise stage guest, he befuddled this crowd in 2013 because he brought up a bluegrass band with a banjo to help him put together Wake Me Up, which would soon be that huge hit with ala Black. In an interview shortly afterward, they asked him, well, what's with the banjo? Like, this is a electronic dance music. What are you doing? And he said that EDM was moving too quickly into a sound that's too hard, saying audiences are going to soon tire of it. He told the London Evening Standard, it's important that it keeps changing so it doesn't become a fad. Like so many in the 27 Club... Uh, There was alcoholism. There was problems there. I read last week that he said that he wasn't really a drinker. He was really shy and an introvert and that he realized when he started drinking that that helped him come out of his shell, gave him confidence. He was doing, you know, 800 worldwide shows. This was somebody who was touring the world and that this gave him a chance to not be anxious, not be scared, not be shy. And he got into that pattern He said he'd have champagne at night, Bloody Marys in the airport, and wine on the flight. And it was just the cycle that led to acute pancreatitis, I believe, when he was just 21 years old. He said, I'm done with this. I am done with this. I'm not going to drink two days in a row. I've got to pull it back. Uh, But who knows what happened? You know what I mean? Like, we don't know what his autopsy is yet. All they've said is that it's no signs of foul play. It could have been something from an underlying health issue, maybe. You just hope that he didn't succumb to that addiction at the end. Um, Calvin Harris, by the way, the top paid DJ, earned about $49 million last year. If you're thinking that this is a niche kind of uh, music for the kids, there's a lot of real money that goes on here. Uh, Kygo closed his set Friday at Coachella with a huge tribute to Avicii saying that he is the reason why I pursued electronic music. And he thinks that uh, Avicii is the reason that many people pursued electronic music. And again, it, it's one of those phrases that's real sad because he tried to retire. He did retire two years ago. And he said at the time he felt bad about it because he felt like he would appear ungrateful. But that his body was just shutting down with uh, with the tour schedule. And he had to take care of himself. So, And everyone at the time, I believe can understand that coming up next oh boy oh boy terror in the skies when you hear this story you're gonna say wow this sounds familiar why does it sound familiar and hopefully it's not because it's familiar from your own life although again not judging um but i'll tell you why it's familiar when we come back gary and shannon again gary will be back tomorrow i i'm hoping uh like i should lick myself oh boy (laughs) Hope that's the last time we hear that one. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it could be that it was the Westworld premiere last like, night that he just got crazy over. You know, he's been very excited about this Westworld situation and weeks and, and weeks. Oh, yeah. So I don't know if he was, you know, sitting there just and got himself too worked up. Or if, had heart palpitations mm-hmm. or if it's a royal baby. You weren't lying, by the way, Amy King, the alert from the Associated Press. Was sent about 95 times, which only happens on uh, huge breaking news. And yeah, it, like when we go to war with another country. Exactly, it's usually only war that we get this kind of alert for. Duchess of Cambridge, Prince William leave hospital with newborn son in car seat and drive away. Well, thank A, God they have my right, car seat God for those details. <laughs> All right, more coming up. Tearing the skies when we come back. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM six forty. <laughs> It's a busy Monday. It is busy for a Monday. So much to talk about today. Of course, we're keeping our eye on this manhunt in Nashville for the Waffle House shooter, the guy who bursts into a Waffle House after shooting and killing two people in the parking lot, opens fire inside the restaurant early yesterday morning, killing another two people, wounding four more. One of the guys who was wounded is able to wrestle the gun out of the shooter's hands. By the way, the shooter uh, wearing only a jacket when he walked in. Only a jacket. By the time he left, no jacket. He took off into the woods, sans clothes, also sans food and water. Very tense time in Nashville as they look for this guy, but it looks like he's going to have to emerge at some point for for supplies. Also, coming up, terrifying story out of Ventura that we heard about over the weekend. A man in Ventura randomly stabbed to death while dining at Aloha Steakhouse in Ventura there on the beachside restaurant Wednesday night. His daughter, by the way, sitting on his lap. Now, it depends on who you ask, but some people will say, what a terrible freak accident, random murder. It's those random murders that make us uneasy the most because it really can happen to anyone. And it depends who you ask because there's another group of people that will say this was not random. This was a homeless problem run amok, and it is city governments, state governments, I guess you could throw in there, too, who are to blame, who will end up with blood on their hands over this homeless issue. And uh, we'll be talking about that coming up after after 11 o'clock. Also, Gavin Newsom, remember when he went to rehab? Except he didn't go to rehab, and he's drinking again? Hmm. We'll talk about Gavin, too, coming up in the 11 o'clock hour. But first, a collection of stories about people getting crazy on planes.
5: Flight 209, you are cleared for takeoff. Roger. Get off my plane. Roger, roger. What's our vector, Victor? Enough
7: is enough. I have had it with
2: these monkey fighting snakes on this Monday to Friday plane. It's Gary and Shannon's Terror in the Skies on KFI.
1: Well, 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 last night, American Airlines flight traveling from Miami to Chicago, an unruly passenger was aboard, guys, and he was repeatedly tasered on board. Why, you ask? Well, you can't fondle strangers on a plane. You can fondle your own people if they let you, if that's what you guys are into. Um, You can't fondle yourself. I think we've learned that that's also something we get you kicked off. But you certainly cannot fondle strangers. Oh, and he was also making racial slurs. The passenger has been given a name, Jacob Garcia. Jacob had to be forcibly removed by police officers while the plane was still grounded in Miami. The police were apparently called when Garcia started making racial slurs and disrespecting another passenger in front of his girlfriend. The officers come on board last night. He tries to 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 you know state his case. Why are you, why are you taking me off this plane? And they said, "Well, you know, uh you, you can't touch that woman. You just can't do that." Fellow passenger there who works in I.T., of course, recorded the moment the unruly passenger was forced off the flight um, because if you didn't record it, uh, it did not happen. Apparently, the man started harassing a couple on the plane, hitting on the female, being disrespectful to the guy. The boyfriend calls the flight attendant, says he should be removed. Now, there's no evidence about the groping. Do you think the boyfriend added uh, the groping in as evidence to, uh, to get this guy off the flight? Anyway, he was tasered. An officer uh, appears and says, you know what, if you don't listen to me, if you don't come off the plane with me, I'm going to tase you. And he says to the officer, go on, taser me. You'll see what happens. Well, the officer did. And you know what happens? The guy got tasered. There you go. It's always important to threaten officers, isn't it? What the hell do you think is going to happen? The other terror in the skies story comes to us from Delta, a woman on a Delta Airlines flight. She kind of reminds me of Blake's mom, Pam. Very sweet, small woman. I'm just getting this off of her mugshot. She looks very nice. Well, it appears that on Wednesday night, she toppled a drink cart. She threw coffee on passengers while running up and down the aisle before assaulting an air marshal. Sarah... Blake's mom, Pam, would not do this. Let me be clear. Sarah Beach, 45 years old, on a flight from London to Salt Lake City, Utah. She was handcuffed for the remainder of the trip. She was sprinting from end to end on the plane. And yes, assaulting federal air marshals. They uh, they tried to calm her down, took her to the bathroom three different times, apparently, Uh, After she was finished in the bathroom the third time, she jumped on the back of one of the air marshals, placed her hands on his head, neck, and jawline. That's when they uh, pulled her off and handcuffed her. And I thought, God, this sounds so familiar. And then I remembered where I, I heard this story before. I'm so much
3: more relaxed. Thank you, Helen. I just feel like I'm excited, and
8: I feel relaxed, and I'm ready to party with the best of them. Wow. And I'm going to go down to the river.
3: <laughs> wow, it looks like somebody's really relaxing now.
1: I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility that this woman had bridesmaids in her m- mind subconsciously and, and acted out because of it. Or just had taken a bunch of Xanax. Yeah, Xanax and alcohol. Don't mix them. That's a PSA for today. Coming up next, terrible story out of Ventura about the man stabbed to death with his daughter on his lap as he ate dinner last week. We'll tell you um, the particulars of the case and and what people are calling for now. Also, coming up after Amy's News, your chance at $1,000. How exciting is that? Swamp Watch. We've got a lot to talk about. French president in town, Emmanuel Macron. And he's got a wish list of things he hopes to take or uh, agree to the president with. All coming up next on Gary and Shannon. Shannon, KFI Am640, French President Emmanuel Macron going to have a one-on-one meeting with the president tomorrow. People are calling this a bit of a bromance between the two leaders. We'll see how far that bromance goes. That one-on-one audience, Macron, of course, wants to be considered uh, maybe the head of Europe, establish France as a global power. You know how he'd be able to do that is uh, getting the president to back down from pulling out of the Iranian nuclear deal. That's one of the topics on the table, one of the wants that France has on this visit. The president, by the way, didn't invite any Democrats to the state dinner, like not even pretending anymore. Uh, the Iran nuclear deal, by the way, of course, this was Obama's baby struck in 2015 between Iran and several rival nations, including the United States and France. And it suspended economic sanctions against Iran in exchange for restrictions on Iran's nuclear program, right? So we're talking regular inspections to make sure its government has stopped trying to develop nuclear weapons. It's a way of saying for us, uh, all right, we'll go easy on you economically. Just let us get eyes on what you're doing over there and, and make sure you're not making any advances. Uh, Trump has criticized this deal from go. And I don't know if it's because it it was an Obama deal and anything Obama, he's not going to like. I mean, Obama could uh, meet the royal baby and the president would have a problem with it, right? But uh, Trump's criticism of the deal, one of the main points has been that Iran can simply start developing nuclear weapons again when parts of the deal expire in about 10 years. But in the deal, uh, it it says it's pretty clear that it permanently bars Iran from acquiring nuclear weapons. So I don't know if there's some confusion or just a disagreement on what that permanent ban means, but I do know that the French president wants to bring this up when they when they meet tomorrow. Uh, also about that royal baby, yes, as you heard Amy said, the baby has come out. It uh, the baby is a boy, and they have left the hospital. And we do not know what the name of the baby is going to be. The top contenders, if you ask the odds makers, are Arthur, James, Albert, Philip. There you go. You could have a little baby Arthur over there. I think my money would be on James. It's like paying homage to the old, but keeping a, a better name than Arthur, than baby Arthur. Well, you're going to hear a lot about this story in the coming days and weeks. And You should. Anthony Mele Jr., 35 years old, was having dinner with his wife, Hannah. Their five-year-old daughter was on Anthony's lap. Willow is her name. They were at the Aloha Steakhouse on the Ventura Promenade Wednesday night when a homeless man walks up and stabs Anthony in the neck. Right there, right there in front of five-year-old Willow, right there in front of his wife, Hannah, complete, complete stranger he's taken to a local hospital where he later dies his mom says anthony's mom says the suspect the uh, came in straight up stabbed him it was so quick she says my son turned and was stabbed while he's holding his daughter it was jamal jackson a 49 year old man homeless man with a criminal history he was chased by bystanders arrested a short time later police received a call about 6:30 from a uh, Bystander who reported that a man who was later identified as the same homeless guy was yelling and being disruptive on the promenade. Police said they used a peer security camera to monitor the man's actions for more than 20 minutes before he walked out of the camera's view. During that time, staff at the command center determined that he did not appear to be a disturbing or threatening person. Shannon, yeah, just want to interrupt just for a
3: second and let you know that the police in Nashville are now saying that they have caught the guy involved with the Waffle House
1: shooting in Nashville.
3: Excellent news. Of course, we'll get lots more information, but they do say that the suspect is in custody.
1: That is great. You know, it was only a matter of time. You can't take off into the woods naked and uh, without food or water when it's 60 degrees during the day. Di- I mean, who knows what the temperature temperatures were overnight. Unless it's like a reality TV show. I think there is one.
4: Yeah, that, that's true. There? But
1: I, it's usually a warmer climate, isn't it? Is yeah. it? Yeah, tropical areas. Well, very good news. Uh, This was a quadruple murderer. This was uh, FBI, Nashville, PD, all hands on deck to find this uh, disturbed person whose guns were taken away from him. But dad saw it in his heart to let his son get his hands back on that AR-15 before he burst into that Waffle House yesterday morning and killed four people. Uh, As Amy said, we'll have all the latest for you throughout the day on that. So back to Ventura, where there was a call about this homeless guy saying, hey, we got a crazy guy out here. He's shouting things. And, and the command center, go, "Ah, yeah, but he's just your run of the mill crazy guy. You know, where's the where is the line on crazy? When is crazy too crazy that the police officers need to step in? And is that line constantly moving when you've got more and more homeless people out there acting erratically? That's not good for the public, right? It's not good to have your crazy people graded on on a scale, on a curve. The mother of uh, the man who was stabbed to death in the neck with his daughter on his lap uh, says that her family is not upset the police did not do more. Uh, She says the guy was being watched the whole time. He was being monitored by the cops. They didn't do anything. And she would have preferred it if the cops uh, stepped in. Dad, uh, by the way, is talking about what the hell are we doing in these cities when it comes to homeless people? What's, What's going on? He talked to CBS LA's Greg Mills, and he blames everyone in the government from the city level to the state level. A woman who lives in Ventura, a woman by the name of Denise Melendez, says you see homeless here, you see it everywhere, but absolutely here it's a problem. They do need some police protection down here on a regular basis. Homeless, big problem in the early morning and at night. Uh, one of the owners of that Aloha Steakhouse told Mill she'd been hit on and spit on by the homeless. And like I said, you're going to hear a lot of talk about this case because some people would be calling it a freak accident, or not an accident, a freak murder, right? A random murder. One of the ones that we're all so terrified of. It could happen to anyone. He wasn't in the wrong place at the, wrong you know, I mean, he wasn't doing anything wrong. Just the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, but people are going to say this was preventable. That this was not a random murder. That this could have been prevented by getting a handle on the homeless populations in Ventura and Orange County supervisors and city leaders are going to have a hard time with this because you're going to hear this story brought up over and over and over as city and county leaders trying to figure out what to do with all of the homeless people in orange county and in los angeles too all right coming up next uh looks like gavin newsom really didn't go to rehab got into some problems with the booze said like many of them do oh i'm gonna go get help but no help was given. We'll talk about it when we come back. Also, your chance to win $1,000 is coming up. Brought to you by Cunning Dental. Need a new smile? Call Cunning Dental for a free exam. 888-640-SMILE. 888-640-SMILE. Keep listening for your chance.
8: You were the root in the top of my A lot of
1: breaking news to get you up to speed with, but first, how about your chance right now at
2: $1,000? Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword bills to 200, 200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's bills to 200, 200.
1: Remember, you've got to answer the phone even if it's from a number you don't recognize because you're not going to recognize it when they call to tell you you won $1,000, your next chance to win next hour. You've got a chance every hour to win a grand, 5 a.m. to 7 p.m. right here on KFI Monday through Friday. Multiple pedestrians have been hit by a van in northern Toronto. It depends which outlet you ask about the details. CNN is reporting that... There are multiple injuries. Fox News is reporting 8 to 10 people have been hit by a van in Toronto, a rented van. They have shut down the street there. Yon Street and Finch Avenue East is is where the the uh, collision took place. We do not know, obviously, if this was somebody who purposefully drove into a crowd, but, hell, it makes you feel that way, doesn't it, when you hear things like rented van and it was
3: in a business district, is okay. what they're saying. And then it there are, we can see from the air that there are people on the ground, and then the, it looks like the van drove off, but it's now stopped. The front door is open. You can see the damage to the front of the van, and it's then, of course, surrounded by police vehicles. Yeah,
1: when the van drives away after the people are hit, uh, that usually indicates that this was purposeful. Um, Mark, guy who witnessed the crash, said, we heard a loud crash, someone screaming, Behind us, he says, which was concerning, we went a couple blocks further and there was a man lying in the road hit by a car. His shoes were 100 feet away up the road. The extent of injuries not known. They want people to, the Toronto paramedics want people to stay away from the area. They've got it all roped off. Um, But like you said, it's a business district. It's a busy time there. It's just one one thirty there. Uh, They don't want the public around. So we'll stay on top of this. Very little information coming out. But again, van slams into pedestrians there in northern uh, Toronto, multiple injuries. Uh, CBC, according to CNN, says that uh, the van's driver is in custody. So we will be staying on top of that. Also, more breaking news. Good, good breaking news. They caught the Waffle House shooter, Uh, Nashville police saying that the the man who burst into that Walfall House yesterday morning, early in the morning, uh, shooting four people, killing four people, injuring four more, has been taken into custody. Ask me, he shouldn't have been let out of custody in the first place. From what we know about that guy, I mean, he, there was the, the news this morning was that he he stole a car last Tuesday. He went into a BMW dealership and was able to get his hands on a BMW key fob somehow. They asked him for identification at the dealership, he didn't have any, and ends up being able to steal a BMW. Drives away in it. They gave chase, but then realized that the car had GPS on it, so eh, we'll catch up with this guy at some point. So he goes home and uh they, they find the BMW at the the complex, but they can't tie it to anyone. They just didn't know at that point. When they were searching his apartment after the shooting, that's when they found that BMW key fob that was connected to the stolen car. He has a, he has a wake of, of see something, say something issues in his past. And guns were taken away from him at one point. And his dad saw it in his heart to give his, his little boy back his guns, at least that AR-15 that he used to kill those people. So there's going to be a lot of questions there that need to be answered. All right, Gavin Newsom. The Sacramento Bee has dug into Gavin Newsom. You know, this is the second story this week. I don't remember. It was late last week that the L.A. Times came out with a story on Gavin Newsom that was not flattering. I don't remember the details of it now because it's hard to ask someone to remember three days ago, isn't it? Um, But here's one out of the Sacramento Bee. About Gavin Newsom and his problems with alcohol. Back in 2007, Gavin Newsom said he quit drinking and was going to seek professional help. The New York Times reported back then, February two, uh, 2007, he planned to begin outpatient treatment at a local rehab. The San Francisco Examiner reported that he went to an outpatient rehab program. The New Yorker in 2015, when they did a profile, said that Gavin Newsom went into rehab. no. He did not, nor were any of those media accounts uh, checked, right? He didn't discount any of those information. And all of, the, all of the media accounts that said he went to rehab, not once did he pick up a phone saying, hey, I just wanted to let you know. Not once those people pick up a phone to say, hey, just to clarify, he never went to rehab. Is that because when you go to rehab, your past misdeeds are erased? And in fact, if you don't go to rehab, then those misdeeds still exist and may then be a problem as you see. higher office. Sacramento B did a recent interview with Newsom. He's 50 now, said he has uh, resumed drinking occasionally after a period of abstinence. He said, that, no, there's no rehab. I just stopped. There was no treatment, no nothing related to any of that kind of stuff. I just stopped because I thought it would be a good thing to stop. This was, of course, after he had an affair with the wife of his campaign manager and best friend, she also, at the time, talked about her substance issues. He had apologized at a news conference in February 2007, saying, uh, the affair is something that I have to live with, something that I'm deeply sorry for. I'm also sorry that I've let down the people of San Francisco. He said, I'm going to go uh, get some help, but he never got some help. I just wonder. But you know what? Him being a Democrat in California, it's almost like a badge of honor to to. Have like an affair in your past that you rehab yourself from kind of thing, it's like oh, we all have faults. it's okay all right again, uh, breaking news this morning, um, just moments ago, we heard that a van has struck multiple people on a busy street in Toronto in the in the business district, according to Fox News, the van plowed into pedestrians injuring several eight to ten. It was a white van potentially rented it was a rider van a rider van Uh, witnesses say that this van struck every single thing on a toronto sidewalk just terrifying and that the uh the driver hit a bunch of people and then continued on so no doubt we're going to hear a lot more uh, about what happened and about who they've got they do have uh they do have him in custody and there's at least one victim that i can see on, on live reports there lying in the uh in the street, unfortunately. So God, tons of bad news today. What The hell's going on? Thank uh, God we had the royal baby. Yeah, maybe we'll spend some more time on the royal baby. Yeah, maybe more, we'll more change time. our tune I was going to ignore the royal baby, and now I'm thinking we get into it. You know, we maybe we talk about uh, what his siblings wore to the hospital this morning. I saw a, a nice little write up on um, on that on the fashion choices because it okay. looks like Prince William was the one who dressed the babies this morning. Oh, so did they have like so they, polka so dots and dad, stripes on at the same time? No, they did not. Oh, okay. You no, know, because Prince William's a good dad when it comes to dressing the babies. All right. I've had enough of that. <laughs> Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640.
8: Look, I don't mean to frustrate, but I always make the same mistakes. Yeah. I always make the same mistakes. Cause I'm For trying you know I'd be
1: lying saying the ooh, ooh. That could finally fix me looking at my history I'm Gary and Shannon KFI AM 640 gosh it is chilling to see this rider white van in Toronto with the front end damage that it has sustained because you know where that front end damage came from and it was from this driver of this rented van plowing into people on a sidewalk there in the business district of uh, Toronto there. The Associated Press reporting that police there on the ground say the van struck eight to ten pedestrians there. Um, They have found the driver. He or she is in custody. Uh, The police constable there says authorities do not yet know the cause or the reason for the collision, but... You know we've we've seen it before. We saw it in Nice. ISIS has told its people, you know, its sympathizers, use whatever you can, find the biggest vehicle you can, and be a coward. The van apparently jumped the curb, hit everything in sight on that sidewalk there, in pedest- in, uh, in terms of pedestrians. Uh, first responders remain on scene, uh, triaging the situation. We do not know the number or the severity of the injuries. They've obviously shut down that entire entire area um, there. But we will uh, let you know when we hear more details. Waffle House shooting manhunt is over. The the guy who carried out that quadruple homicide at a Waffle House early yesterday morning has been arrested. He was taken into custody not far from his apartment. There were uh, photos posted by the police there in Nashville that do show him wearing clothes. He's in a police car. Remember, he took off into the woods naked after committing those murders. It looks like there was a lot of help there with the FBI, alcohol, tobacco, firearms, highway patrol. They were it was all hands on deck to get this guy because they believed that he still had a handgun in his possession. You look at the picture of him being apprehended. He looks he looks like all the other uh, dazed, crazy really pale guys in their early 20s that uh, have their psychotic breakdowns and decide to kill people. And bloodshot eyes, real pale skin. You can see he's got a bunch of scratches, whether that was from the uh, scuffle with, with the man that was able to wrestle the AR-15 away or from uh, branches in the woods. Who knows? Who cares? You know, he me the, the blame on that falls squarely on dad's shoulders. This was a guy who had brushes with the law. He had his guns taken away. His ga- dad petitions to get him back, saying, I promised to keep these away from my crazy son. And he didn't. And he didn't. Well, we have spent a lot of time on the Gary and Shannon show talking about opioids because how can you not? You look up in uh, Marin County there, uh, just north of San Francisco, and Marin County has the second-highest rate of opioid overdose deaths among the Bay Area's counties, second only to San Francisco. In many parts of this county, uh, drug overdoses are now the leading cause of accidental deaths, surpassing motor vehicles. That is huge. Jeffrey Orman is a uh, paramedic up there for one of Marin's busiest ambulance crews. And he says he's seen it time and time again. Teenage boys start taking the prescription painkillers after a sports injury. They begin using the drugs recreationally after the injury is healed. You've got seniors who take opioids to, to manage chronic pain. They forget that they've taken their pills, so they take them again. And then, of course, men and women of all ages that want to get high by wearing those fentanyl patches at much stronger doses than prescribed. There has been a very large growing volume of 911 calls in recent months up there. Now, not everyone who ODs goes to the hospital, but those who do are often let go. They're discharged from the hospital without any follow-ups from physicians or nurses so they just go back to using. They go back to using these drugs at dangerous levels. And research shows that for many of these people it's only a matter of time until they overdose again. And the next time, it could be the time. Well, now there's a new program. It's a state funded program. It's a pilot program up there in Marin. It's going to be six months, and it's backed by about 20 grand from the California Department of Public Health. And it is designed to give county health officials the access to names, phone numbers, and addresses people who were treated by EMTs for an opioid overdose the previous week. It's a way of circling back with these people to say, hey, we know where you can get help. This is going to have public health nurses contacting individuals and telling them where they can get treatment. Uh, Physician-supervised programs that use the kind of meds that can treat opioid use disorder. You take these meds and the cravings aren't there. How valuable is that for people that are hooked on this stuff? And they'll let them know where to find pharmacies or community programs that provide the, that nasal mist that reverses the effects of an overdose. Should it happen again? Addiction experts love this. Public health officials say, wow, this is the first kind of system where we're actually going to be tracking these people. Um, this is also being tried in some other states with a little variation, um, Massachusetts, Illinois, Indiana, Indiana. But right now, there's just no process uh, for people who have survived an overdose to be identified and then given an idea about where they can get treatment. There's just zero follow-up. So I'm anxious to see the numbers after six months. Of the people that relapse or the people that are gonna have their uh, that have overdose after going into a hospital because of a previous overdose. Now, some addiction experts say that they don't like it because it might discourage people from calling nine one one at all. You know, you don't wanna be tracked. You don't wanna have somebody knocking on your door in a week and they're they're worried that people are gonna be sharing inaccurate contact information if they feel that may be tracked. But you gotta do something. You gotta try all this stuff. You are what they're doing in Ohio? In Ohio, they've started a program to educate kids about opioids. Kindergartners in kindergarten, because so many people are dying of this. They're trying to protect these little people. They're trying to show them what, what it looks like and, and trusted adults. There's one lesson um, in this pilot program there where 25 children uh, were seen. They sat on a carpet helping their teacher make a chart the teacher would ask, what is an adult? And then she'd write the responses on a large notepad on the wall. And then she'd say, well, what does the word trusted mean? And she would put those two key words together and make it understandable for kindergartners to know who is a trusted adult. Who do you have in your life that makes healthy choices, makes you feel safe, all of that. Um, And the importance of the trusted adults that will help you and the difference between an adult and a trusted adult. And it's just, it's so sad that um, the kids have to learn this. It's basically saying don't listen to your parents if you don't trust them because they're high on opioids. Uh, that's kind of the underscore, right? Who are the people you can trust? Is not mom and dad. Well, you got an aunt, you got an uncle, you got a neighbor. Stick with them. It's very sad. Coming up next, Coachella. Holy hell. Sexual harassment is rampant at Coachella 2018. I happen to know someone who went to Coachella this year. She's sitting across from me. We're going to talk to her about it. Um, Also, I don't know. What do you think is going to happen when you go out to the desert and you do a bunch of drugs and drinks in, uh, in, in, in your bathing suit? I don't know. I feel like it invites some sort of behavior that I wouldn't want to have happen. Feminists are going to be after you for that. I know, I know, but it's true. All right, we'll talk about it when we come back. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640.
7: Whoa, whoa, whoa. Climb the streets and I... My way over, you know I've been so lost in translation, like I'm fighting for truth in Babylon, trying to find my peace in the zone of old oh, oh. Gary and Shannon,
1: KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. Toronto police do have the man in custody who had a rented van drove it through several pedestrians in Toronto today. Um, eight to ten people may possibly be hurt or worse. Uh, it's too early. Police are saying there to confirm the exact number, but it absolutely looks like this was purposeful. Um, it looks like this guy ran into everything he could run into on the sidewalk there in this business, business district, North York area of the city. And uh kept going. Kept going after running into the crowd. And we've we've heard it before from, from ISIS terrorist organizations. Hey, if you don't have weapons, uh arm yourself with whatever you do have. Find the biggest vehicle you can get your hands on and use that to be a coward and, and plow down people. So more details on that. Also the uh the Waffle House killer, the guy who burst into that Waffle House yesterday in Nashville killed four people. He has been taken into custody. Oh, Coachella is over. Sad face. Uh, this, of course, how about year is this? Sixth year? I want to say sixth or seventh year of Coachella. Big fun, big fun in the desert. Beyonce was the big news. Cardi B was there, pregnant but still twerking. Um, there was an awesome tribute to Avicii last night, um, but there was a under undercurrent to all of this magic musical excitement. And that undercurrent is sexual harassment. Teen Vogue sent a writer to Coachella this year, and she says that she was there for 10 hours and she was repeatedly groped and pressed for sex during this. The writer also interviewed 54 women who shared similar accounts of predatory behavior. One woman named Anna told Teen Vogue, Anna's 19, she says, of course sexual harassment happens here. It happens to us at all concerts. At Coachella, it's so many people that men will get away with touching you. They think you don't notice. It happened to me many times already, and I notice every time. What a a groper magnet Coachella would be, right? You're out there in crowds, and it's hot, and you can do a grope and dash, and you just get in there, you grope, and then you you take off. There's got to be a lot of just bad Bad seeds out there that's unfortunate though you, you want to go to the desert, have fun with your friends you got to deal with you got to deal with these groper these gropers. How are you going to prosecute that too? you know it's really easy to get, get away with in this sort of environment. All of those fifty four young women had a story of sexual assault or harassment that occurred this year. June is twenty years old. She says, it never goes further than a touch on my butt or my back, but it's not an okay place to be touched. Would you do that to a coworker or another guy? Then don't do that to me. This is my third day. Probably happened to me 40 times this weekend. Amy, were you groped? I was not. Okay, good. I
3: didn't go to the concert itself. I went to a house party in the area.
1: Got it. But no groping at the party. Oh, there was groping. Oh, there I was. Just wasn't,
3: uh, I wasn't one of them. Really? There there was a, I will say there, well, marijuana is legal. There was a lot of weed. Okay. A lot. Okay. And I would venture to say there were some other
1: recreational drugs as well. But drugs don't then make you a groper. Not necessarily. You can't can't, uh, excuse your groping away by saying I was high.
3: That is true. And, and, And you know how you were saying people might invite that? And you can't say that because...
1: You're right. I don't mean you're inviting it. I'm just saying there are so many people that cannot control themselves. It's very attempting atmosphere. It's a tempting atmosphere.
3: I will tell you it was a tempting atmosphere. You wanted to grow? No. Oh, but I would say there were, um, there was a lot of scantily cladness. Yeah.
6: (laughs) Technical term. That makes me ask you a question because I went to stagecoach last year. And when you're in those big crowds, I wonder how many Guy or how many girls think the guy is groping when she said a touch on my back is something she outlined. Mm-hmm. That's uh, not groping. R- no, you like, know you,
1: when you've gotten your ass grabbed. At no, a I know, but that's what I'm
6: saying. Because a uh, butt, yeah. I totally know. I get that. Mm-hmm. But like, if there's times when there's so many people, I wonder if there's things that aren't.
1: I think you're touching someone's back to get by or something, right? It's and, not see, a, a grope.
6: As a not a girl, I don't know how those. <laughs> feelings, how, like, how that feeling is different. Mm-hmm. Like if you can tell like, oh, that touch on my back was a, because he thought I was hot or that touch on my back was because he was trying to get past me. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. For me, no one's touching my back because it's a hot back, I don't think. Yeah.
3: But I do think there are incidental <laughs> touches. I mean, as you're walking through a crowd, I've done that. Like, sure. You're, you're kind of like, hey, I'm behind you. There's a you. lot
1: of touching that goes on at concerts. Yes. And especially when you're up near, near the front as well. And it's just, it's your sardines.
6: So there's going to be touching. Right. And that's my question is like how much of those were. Don't actually, worry. it. Like, Unless you've got gross. a handful
1: of bottom, Blake, you're fine.
6: Oh, no. I just walk like this. Hands up. Just. Yeah. There's no issues that way.
1: There you go. <laughs> hands up. Don't shoot. Right. Yeah. Uh, Phoebe, 20 years old in a really big crowd. You just want to have a good time. You want to dance. But it's really uncomfortable to feel someone right behind you touching you. Well, Phoebe, that's going to happen when you're at a crowded concert. Uh, there was one survey that found that more than 90% of female concert goers have been harassed at a music event. But again, you're right. I mean, there, there really is a spectrum there. There really is a spectrum. But that's unfortunate that Coachella has that uh, that undercurrent. They say it was rampant this year. Rampant. There's a sexual health app. Okay. You know what, I'm not even going to get into that. Do you know there's a sexual there's a sexual health app? That lets you show your, your STD statuses to strangers. Before- what? Yeah, I'm not going to get into that.
3: Good Lord. All right. Open this, up your phone. I got to see. This is stuff you're handing to me, Nick.
1: All right. Coming up next, everything everyone is talking about everywhere. We do it every day at noon. What's trending in L.A., the United States, and the world? A lot of breaking news to tell you about. Catch up on when we come back. To Gary and Shannon. Now we're going to go live to Nashville right now where they're having a press conference about the apprehension of that Waffle House shooter. Start by
9: saying, uh, great job by everyone, uh, all the different units and the agencies that assisted. Uh, so this all began uh, today. We had uh, our unit, narcotics unit, was uh, working doing uh, finding uh, finding any or investigating any calls on uh, suspected uh, identification of this person. Uh, dispatchers Megan Barr and Christy Simmons from ECC were contacting me directly and our team was in charge of looking, investigating any of these sightings. Uh, during one of the calls, we had a call for at 5000 Mountain Springs Drive. Uh, and what the call was, there was a, a person who was matching the description of the suspect who went uh, was going through a construction site right behind the apartment complex and into the wooded area. Uh, our detectives, uh, all, all three of our units, narcotics section, the narcotics unit, the interdiction unit, and the major case task force all responded to the, to the scene. When they got to the scene, uh, there were several workers from the TVA, construction workers on the TVA, that were pointing us, saying, the person went through the woods. The detectives then all, as well as the sergeants, all went up to the wooded area and saw a pathway in the woods. They started to walk the path, and as they went through the wooded area, they spread out, and uh, some went one direction, some went the other. As they're walking through the woods, one of our detectives, uh, Kyle Williams, uh noticed a person a suspect in the front uh in front of him uh as he was walking forward he the suspect turned around and detective williams saw his face and realized that that is the suspect we were looking for at that point detective williams drew down on uh the suspect uh the suspect proned out he told him to get on the ground he got on the ground immediately proned himself out uh other detectives came and assisted put him into custody and and put him in cuffs. At that point, uh, detectives went and cut off. He had a backpack on. Uh, the description that we had received uh, was a maroon shirt, dark jeans, and a backpack, which is exactly what he had on. He had a uh, maroon shirt, uh, dark jeans, and a backpack. Once he was in custody, the detectives went, cut off the backpack off of them uh, because he was in cuffs. When they looked into the backpack, they had, uh, they saw a, uh, a silver kimber semi-automatic weapon uh, with 45 caliber ammunition, a flashlight, and a holster uh, on his person. During the search and seizure arrest, they looked in his back pocket and in his back pocket he had a wallet and in that wallet he had a Colorado ID uh, that had his information on there and which is how we uh, were able to identify. Mayor David Bradley. Good afternoon. First, I'd like to say thanks to the community, to the citizens of Nashville. Uh, a tip from the, from the community is what led to the arrest today. And... Uh, Their being vigilant was really an important part of of what happened today. I'd like to thank the Metropolitan Police Department and Chief Anderson for for all their work over the last 36 hours. Uh, They've been relentless in searching
4: for the shooter. All right, I'm going to cut away from uh, this. Uh, Uh, There's going to be a lot
1: of thank yous, and uh, there should be a lot of thank yous. It was good good work. Uh, This, of course, press conference out of Nashville about the Waffle House shooter, the guy who Killed, shot and killed two people in the parking lot early yesterday morning, then walked in, opened fire, killing two more people. It was a man in the Waffle House that was able to wrestle the AR-15 from the shooter, who then took off uh, naked, I guess you could say. Yep, he was naked. He took off naked into the woods, and they had not seen him since. This morning holding a press conference saying that there was no sightings of him, and about an hour after they wrapped that up, The news broke that they had him in custody. That was from somebody who recognized him and called in authorities, said, I think I got someone matching your description, and he's hanging around near the woods. So when the authorities uh, show up on scene, there's a bunch of construction workers there. They say, yep, there's some guy took off in there into the woods. So detectives were able to go in, find the pathway, find him. He was still armed with a semi-automatic weapon, a flashlight, a holster, uh, ID on him. So... A little bit of a uh, tension release there in, in Nashville. And they, they were able to get this guy. But still a uh, hell of a lot of more breaking news going on right now.
2: Time for What's Happening.
1: What's happening? We've got a white van that has mowed down at least eight pedestrians in Canada. This is according to police. The extent of injuries not confirmed. They're saying that maybe this uh, van struck up to 10 people there uh, about 1.30 local time. They say right now the official line is, that we're not sure if it's accidental or intentional, but this guy had rented a white van. He was up on the sidewalk, witnesses say, uh, trying to hit anything. There's
8: a white truck, just uh, go to the side, sidewalk, and uh, so many people just um, sh- uh, shouting, stop the car, but he didn't, he just uh, keep moving, and uh, he hated some people, and uh, three people lie down there, and they didn't move. At all now yeah,
1: she's saying three people at least down there that were not moving after he was done with this murderous uh, attack. Again, when you see the white van, and this isn't the first time we've seen one of these, Nice comes to mind just a couple years ago. It's got so much front end damage, and you know it's not because it hit another car but because it was hitting people, people that were just about their business middle of the afternoon afternoon, in a busy part of uh, of Toronto. So we'll stay on top of that, find out more about this monster. Not going to be surprised if it was an ISIS sy- sympathizer or an ISIS recruit that didn't have any weapons on him, so he armed himself with what he could. And it was uh, a van that was able to do enough damage to rip people's lives in part. Uh, Newport Beach searches on for a 47-year-old guy because... Well, they found his boat, but they haven't found him. A 17-foot Boston whaler was found washed ashore without a driver near 48th Street in West Oceanfront about 6 p.m. last night. Of course, this prompted a full-on search by the Coast Guard. Um, We're looking for Nicholas Busick, 6 feet tall, 220, brown eyes, brown hair, last seen wearing a dark t-shirt, gray shorts, he left on his boat about 1 p.m. on Sunday. Uh, they're saying this the disappearance has not been deemed suspicious. But isn't it always suspicious when somebody leaves on a boat and they don't come back? <laughs> isn't that one of the definitions of suspicious? And they're asking, the family's asking not to
3: release his name. Well, that ship has sailed. Uh, Nicholas, late. Nicholas Busick is his name. Oh, I was wondering if it might have been a celebrity I, or something. I mean,
1: something. why not release his name because... Then if somebody knows where this guy is, and the Coast Guard doesn't have to spend all the man hours uh, looking for him. Uh, Royal Baby. What will the Royal Baby be named? You can't get away from this baby today, guys. And it looks like odds on favorite is Arthur. So, again, we'll keep you posted with what they decide to name the Royal Baby. <laughs> you can, like, hear my contempt for the story in my voice. Uh, world's oldest. I mean, it's, it's fine. It's, I'm happy for them. I just don't see why we need to be obsessed uh, about the Royal Baby uh, breathlessly. World's oldest person has died. How old do you think the world's oldest person is?
3: I did this story, so I know. Oh, then never mind, Amy. No
1: cheating. Blake? One, 117. Great, 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 great grandmother. The world's oldest person has died in Japan. I don't know why they had to put a late-life picture up of her like this. That's not nice. Why didn't they put a picture of her when she was, um, you know, 40. They may not have had cameras then. She was born August 1900. (laughs) She has more than 160 descendants. That's a lot of Christmas gifts. Now the, the, the new oldest woman is also 117 and also lives in Japan. So there you go. One of my least favorite things about those stories is when reporters say to him, Now, what do you credit your long life to? What's the secret to living long?
3: I had a glass of
1: whiskey every day. And it's always something like that. It always involves a whiskey or gin or something.
4: Yeah, it's fine. Good for them.
1: It's fine. All right, coming up next, a man in Texas has been sentenced to 50 years in prison simply for feeding people. I'll tell you why when we come back. Also, your chance at $1,000 coming up. Brought to you by Cunning Dental. Need a new smile? Call Cunning Dental for a free exam, 888-640-SMILE. That's next.
6: Nobody wants to be alone, but tonight we're all believers,
8: and I feel all right. all right, the song of
1: my heart. Gary and Shannon, giving away
2: $1,000. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword CASH to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's CASH to 200-200.
1: Remember, you got to answer the phone even if it's from a number you don't recognize. Because if you don't, they move on with your money. Don't let them do that. Pick up the phone. Your chance to win next hour. That's the next chance. You'll have a chance to win $1,000 once an hour, 5 a.m. to 7 p.m. Monday Through Friday, wanted to talk to you about something fun going on the Conway show tonight. Two-time NBA champion, Hall of Famer Ray Allen will join Conway right here in studio to promote his new book, From the Outside, My Journey Through Life and the Game I Love, and a special 20th anniversary screening of He Got Game, which he was uh, a co-star in, tomorrow evening at the TCL Chinese Theater. It's going to be a chance to win tickets and to meet Ray at the premiere. When I worked up in Seattle, uh, I was covering the Seattle Supersonics Playoffs, which would end up being the last Seattle Supersonics playoffs um, because then, of course, the team moved. But Ray Allen was playing for the Seattle Supersonics. And I remember I didn't have a credential for the, the playoff game, but I still had to figure out some sort of way to uh, to, to make the story happen for the radio station I was working for. And I was outside Key Arena, which was where the uh the supersonics played. And I believe they beat the Kings in the first round and then lost to the Spurs in the second. Um, but this was, I believe, during the Kings series, and there was a woman uh waiting to get into the uh you know the underground tunnel where they take all the, the fancy people, the you know, where you know somebody. And I thought, uh she's she looked probably in her 50s, and uh, I don't know, something about her, she, she just looked like she was connected. And so I go up to her, and I said, hi, you know, I'm Shannon. I am just covering the game for, you know, Cairo Radio, and I was just wondering, uh, you know, what you're doing here. <laughs> and it was Ray Allen's mom, Flora, and she... I had tears in her eyes. I said, oh, I bet this is exciting, you know, playoffs. And she had tears in her eyes talking about how proud she was of her son. I ended up doing a, a long interview with her, and it was just one of my favorite interviews that I that I ever did as a reporter, just seeing somebody overcome with such emotion because their kids, you know, live in their dream. And, you know, he wasn't brand new back then either. So that was cool. So Ray Allen tonight on the Tim Conway Jr. Show. All right, the latest we know out of Nashville, Tennessee, they've got the killer from the Waffle House shootings from yesterday morning. They've got him in custody. He did have a handgun in his backpack when he was arrested in the woods in Nashville, but the good news is he is in custody. Um it looks like also we have uh, a guy who rented a van uh, or was able to get himself into a van in Toronto and Plow through several pedestrians on a busy street in Toronto. And uh, it looks like he continued driving after he ran into what police are saying, eight to ten people. We do not know about the severity of the injuries or worse than injuries. We just don't know at this point yet. In Texas there is a judge that just has handed down a 50-year prison sentence to a man who was caught stealing $1.2 million worth of fajitas. Now, I'm just going to pull the car over real quick to just remind you all that fajitas are delicious. Um, They are my go-to whenever I eat at a Mexican eating establishment. I love fajitas. I particularly like the chicken and the fish. You know? You don't have to pick one. You can you can do the two. There's different things. You can, you can spice it up. You can add the peppers or not. It's a good time. So I can kind of understand what happened here. Gilberto Escamilla, former employee with the Juvenile Justice Department. He is 53 years old. And what was happening is he was ordering fajitas through the prison and then taking them home and putting them in his freezer and then selling them doing a a lunch service, as it it were, um, for a decade. Yeah, that's how you get to that $1.2 million worth of fajitas number. He's very upset. He says it was selfish, his testimony in court. He says it got to the point where I couldn't control it anymore. And you can kind of understand where where that could happen. You know, you're, you're doing the orders for the Juvenile Justice Department. You accidentally mark the box of fajitas and then you go, oh, wait, we don't serve those here. Well, we'll, we'll make use. I'll find a way to make use of them. Fetus, the fajitas come in. You say, Oh, this is a lot of fajitas. I can't eat, eat all of these myself. Well, I guess I could sell them. And then it becomes a little bit of a business. And then nobody notices that you're running this side business. And who would know? All they found out. And when they went into his home and searched his apartment, they did find a freezer full of those delicious fajitas. But you can understand how his uh, life of crime began. All right, coming up next, Swamp Watch. We will go live to D.C. A big day for the president and French president, Emmanuel Macron, who has arrived in the country. He's going to have a one-on-one with the president tomorrow's a lot of topics on the table that the two uh, are going to be discussing also the president's travel ban works its way before the supreme court this week what you can expect there what kind of issues they're going to be looking at and barbara bush laid to rest on saturday some highlights from her funeral like that picture heard around the world of uh, all the people president trump hates hanging out with his wife We'll get to all of that coming up in Swamp Watch next on Gary and Shannon KFI AM 640
2: Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Drain
8: the swamp Watch.
1: Gary and Shannon, KFI AM six forty. Uh, Gary will be back tomorrow. He'll be coming out of his season two premiere of Westworld. Oh, you know what? I don't even think he was able to see it because I think they—they were—I they, know they were out of town. For a volleyball tournament, so I don't even think he's seen the West World season two premiere. You don't think he stayed up overnight to watch it when they got home? I guess he uh,
3: DVR it. Yeah,
1: well, he'll see it today then. I guess. I guess if they're getting home today. Oh, they're like out of town, out of town. But you know, if you want to send them spoilers, just that would be cruel. I know. I go to Gary and Shannon, and (laughs) no, I take that back. Uh, we've got a nepotism scandal to talk to you about coming up in the next hour of course we're gonna be hooking up with Rebecca Jarvis for Market Mondays talk about the economy uh looking good looking gassed up and ready to go into spring with a vengeance we'll be talking to her about that among other things happening in the financial world but this nepotism scandal to tell you about it's pretty pretty uh pretty juicy this is at Korean air and one of the CEO's daughters, oh no, strike that now today, two of the daughters have been fired. Uh, one of them has been fired over a tantrum she threw on board a plane when her nuts were served to her in the wrong way. Yeah, you heard that correctly. They're calling it nut rage in Korea. and it, I could pack
10: nuts in my mouth like a squirrel.
1: Okay. And, and it is... Uh, it's it's highlighting what appears to be a general problem in Korea, with the CEOs and the heads of these huge companies and the favoritism they show their their kids or their grandkids, these second and third generation uh, people who are just complete complete apples, just not nice people. And so there may be a, a reckoning when it comes to uh, nepotism in Korea when it comes to big business. All right, let's go uh, live now to Washington. Big day as French President Emmanuel Macron and his wife arrive in D.C. to begin a state visit. Uh, The first of the Trump administration. Andy Field joins us now. Andy, what's the uh, schedule look like?
11: Well, the important thing is we have to make sure we say the name right. Macron. 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 (laughs) (laughs) So we we don't have any diplomatic uh, faux pas here. Uh, Well, he he did arrive at... um, at uh, Andrews Air Force Base. And the interesting thing is the president at one point uh, during the campaign had complained that um, all these world leaders were dissing President Obama by not showing up at the airport to, to greet him. Well, President Trump did not show up at the airport to greet Macron either. Well, I so. mean,
1: think about all the uh, the criticism this president uh, gave President Obama for golf days. And then yeah, once think, he I becomes think
11: president... I think that. <laughs> yeah. So it's really interesting. A lot of people, especially world leaders, are looking at uh, Emmanuel Macron as kind of the voice of of European reason to deal with President Trump on a number of issues, including uh, whether the U.S. pulls out of Iran – I'm sorry, well, well, the Iran nuclear agreement, because that's coming up in May, where the president has to say yay or nay. Uh, And also on Syria, the president at one point uh, not too long ago, perhaps I think it was just a couple of weeks ago, where he said – He wanted to pull all the U.S. troops out of there. He was almost declaring mission accomplished with ISIS. It isn't, but the president saying that it almost is, and he wanted to get the U.S. troops out of there and and back spending the money here at home. And then, of course, the Paris Accords, which the president pulled out of, and that's the the global warming and climate change agreements that virtually everyone on the planet has agreed to now except the United States. So these are three big issues that Macron wants to talk about with the president, Uh, and we asked Sarah Sanders of the white house today will they be able to make a deal and of course she says as she is wont to say uh, i don't want to get ahead of any negotiations on these things that's her, kind of her standard answer for no comment
1: could you imagine the uh the global power that france and macron would have if he was able to change the president's mind on the iran nuclear deal um this as you mentioned is a a deadline of May 12th that we're facing, and Trump has repeatedly threatened to pull out by May 12th. Uh, The deal... It's important to know that it was an Obama deal uh, struck in 2015 between Iran, several other nations, rival nations, including us and France, uh, suspending economic sanctions is, is, with Iran. As long as we can have eyes on their nuclear program, we can make sure that its government has stopped trying to develop nuclear weapons. The president repeatedly in in his evidence for why we need to pull up, pull out has said that uh, Iran can st- can start developing nuclear weapons again when parts of the deal expire in ten years, and that's just not true. Um, in fact, the deal pretty explicitly permanently bars Iran from acquiring nuclear weapons, and so if Macron can come to the table and use his bromance with Trump to kind of uh, make some way negotiating and and, and make some. Some headway in changing the president's mind or even just highlighting that one clause that the president has has not shown knowledge of uh, that would be something.
11: Well, the president has proven pretty resistant to the truth when it comes to these things, so I'm not quite sure what he's going to say that's different. But, uh, you know, one of the one of the bad things about the U.S. pulling out of this here is that it could kind of scuttle the whole deal. I'm not quite sure what happens when one person pulls out of this, because I don't think anyone actually anticipated that. Uh, but if indeed that happens, then instead of uh, Iran starting to build a nuclear weapon in 10 years, I would imagine they could start doing it tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. or whatever you know the day after the twelfth. So that is a that that's a particular particularly bad issue. And the other part, and a lot of people are saying this and we asked this at the press conference of Sarah Sanders, is well, if North Korea can't trust the United States to stay in a deal that it signed, how is it going to trust the US to stay in a deal that it makes with North Korea? To which the White House didn't really have much of an answer other than the President has said repeatedly this is a bad deal for Iran.
1: Yeah. All right, Andy, thanks so much. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Andy Field there, live from, uh, from Washington. Coming up, we're going to talk about Mike Pompeo and the uh, battle he has on Capitol Hill as the nominee for Secretary of State. Um, but I did want to spend a couple minutes just talking about the, uh, the funeral, Barbara Bush's funeral over, over the weekend. Four presidents, of course, uh, came together to pay tribute to Barbara Bush. Uh, President Trump was not there which is not odd, by the way. Uh, He had released a statement last week saying he wasn't going to go because of uh, security concerns. And then you're thinking, well, there's four former presidents going to be there. How much more security? You know what I mean? Security is kind of a non-issue. That thing is going to be secure. It is going to be hunkered down, right? But it's not uncommon. Uh, Neither Obama nor uh, George W. attended funerals of first ladies during their terms, Uh, Clinton did attend a graveside service for Jackie O in 1994, but it's not that big of a deal. Uh, The other thing is that the president and the Bushes hate each other. Um, The H.W. was on record last year calling Trump a blowhard. Uh, George W. said Trump would destroy the idea of a Republican president, and I believe the White House even responded to that statement at the time, saying, uh, well, if one presidential candidate can disassemble a political party, it speaks volumes about how strong a legacy its past two presidents really had. So, you know, it's been a a war of words between the Bushes and and Trump. Let's not forget low-energy Jeb Bush, All of that. And I I just think that Bushes have also kind of snubbed Trump in a a blue blood kind of fashion. Like, he's not not one of us kind of thing. So when that picture surfaced of the funeral with the Bushes, the Clintons, the Obamas, and Melania, that had to have pissed him off. What the hell are you doing hanging out with my nemesises? nemesis, as it were. I did like this quote from, from Barbara Bush that was brought up in the eulogy. And It was the presidential historian John Meacham who did the eulogy for for Barbara at Saturday's service. And Meacham was able to recall a funny moment from the final days of Barbara Bush's life. She was in the hospital, final days. She asks her doctor, hey, do you want to know why my oldest child, George W., is the way he is, turned out the way he did? And the doctor said, uh, sure, ma'am. And Barbara Bush says, well, I smoke and I drank while I was pregnant. Great. Apparently, that line got a lot of laughter at the president, at the uh, funeral. Poor George W. He's a good sport, though, isn't he? Coming up next, uh, we'll get into a little bit about the travel ban. That, that heads to the Supreme Court on Wednesday, what they will be taking into account. Also, Mike Pompeo, will he end the day making history when it comes to not getting enough votes for a confirmation Secretary of State? Gary and Shannon, KFIAM 640. <music> Shannon, KFI AM 640, two huge stories today going on right now. We will get updates coming up in the next hour uh, from reporters on the scene there. Number one, the Waffle House killer, the shooting suspect. He has been taken into custody after escaping and following those four murders into the woods in Nashville, Tennessee. His father... Federal agents are now saying could potentially face charges for giving weapons back to his son. Remember, this son had a lot of mental problems, had some run-ins with the law. His guns were taken away from him, given back to the father with the promise that the father would keep him locked up, keep him away from the son, but he acknowledged he gave them back to his son. So now he could face charges. We kind of went over that earlier in the program. It would be hard to charge him, at least under California law, with aiding and abetting because he did not know what that gun was going to be used for. Uh it did assist in in the murders, absolutely, him giving the gun, but he did not know of any sort of intent for ill will. So it'll be interesting to see what charges, maybe negligence charges. Uh, but we'll have to see. Civilly, he's screwed. Uh, if those families wanna and he had any money, he he would be screwed there. Also, keeping our eye on Toronto, we are gonna have more details coming up after the top of the hour about that as well. Looks like a man uh, got himself into a van and plowed down people on a busy area of North Toronto, the business district there. People just uh, spending their day walking along on the sidewalk and a uh, lot of damage, a lot of damage to the front end of that van. And you and it's chilling because, you know, that he was able to pl- the people did that damage. We don't know the extent of the injuries or um, murders at this point. But we know that he did not stop once he started hitting those people on the sidewalk, kept on driving, uh, but again, taken into custody. Megan Hughes joins us now from Capitol Hill. We are talking Secretary of State nominee Mike Pompeo, and he is facing some serious opposition. Megan, what can you tell us?
8: Well, I can tell you we, we had some news break, actually, just this afternoon. We heard from the Senate Majority Leader, Mitch McConnell, teeing up the big vote, which is going to be before, before the full Senate, and that's going to happen this week. So what we have going on here, just in the next two hours, we're going to have a committee vote. Now, he's expected to likely not pass out of committee, but they're going to take it up on the full Senate floor after he receives an unfavorable recommendation from the committee. Now, it looks like he's going to have the votes. It's going to be very tight, but it looks like he may have the votes to pass when he comes before the full Senate. So uh, this is a very unusual situation, certainly making history here. Um, but we're looking for some very close votes both tonight and then later this week.
1: Yeah, I read that uh, he, if he doesn't have the votes, he would become the first cabinet nominee to fail a committee vote since 1945. And then if he does end up getting confirmed by the Senate, uh, it'll be done in such a roundabout way, it'll be making history again.
8: Yes, and particularly, you know I think that that other um, cabinet level vote was not for the Secretary of State. I mean this is usually a non controversial position, regardless of your policy. Um, both Secretary Kerry and Secretary Clinton passed overwhelmingly, even Secretary Condoleezza Rice um, passed it over passed the Senate overwhelmingly, and that was during the Iraq war, which was extremely controversial
1: megan uh, what what don't they like about him uh, I know He's had some controversial, uh, I guess, statements in the past uh, that were not maybe so diplomatic. And also, did the North Korea secret visit end up helping him or hurting him?
8: Uh, that's a very good question. Well, first, let's start with with some of the cons or, or the, the people that are attacking him and what they're saying. First, I have to point out Senator Rand Paul's position in all of this. He's a Republican on the committee tonight that is facing tremendous pressure from the White House to get beyond, behind Pompeo. It looks like he is not going to support Pompeo. He thinks that Pompeo is far too hawkish, which a lot of Democrats feel as, as well. Um, Democrats are concerned. He's said things about ripping up the Iran deal. He has supported uh, strikes in Syria without congressional approval. Um, he, he has m- made some t- tough remarks on Russia, which you know supporters uh, of Pompeo think are a good thing. Um, but Democrats generally think he's too hawkish. Then he has also made controversial comments comments about gays and lesbians, about Muslims. Um, so you have a number of Democrats who are also um, stepping away from him, even some who supported him as director of the CIA, but who makes a case that the secretary of state is the top diplomat and representing American values throughout the world. And they don't think that those comments represent American values.
1: So this uh, this full vote is happening.
8: Do we know when this week? We we don't have a time. Our guess is, is probably Wednesday or Thursday. They're going to be on recess next week, and usually they try and wrap up their work by by Thursday.
1: Gosh, between this and the the travel ban before the Supreme Court, another busy week in Washington. It certainly is. <laughs> Megan Hughes, thank you so much. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Shannon. Yeah, about that travel ban, it's going to be Wednesday. Uh, it's from Supreme Court's final oral argument of the term. Maybe one of the most important and uh, potentially far-reaching over what is the president's authority to protect the country by banning some foreigners who seek entry? Well, we'll find out. What does the Supreme Court value more? Is it the uh, the spirit of the law of, or the letter of the law? This is the president saying, I want to ban people from these countries because I feel that it will keep the country safe. The other side says this is all about religious discrimination. And look, at here are his tweets and things that the president has said on the campaign trail that prove it. I, things like, I want to ban all Muslims. Well, what if the Supreme Court loves the law, but doesn't like the intent behind it? Does it, does it matter? I was talking to Handel earlier about this. And he says that the Supreme Court's probably going to side with the administration, that when it comes to matters of national security, that kind of, uh, that trumps religious discrimination. We'll see going to be a big week. Coming up next, Rebecca Jarvis joins us for Market Mondays. We'll take a look at the economy. It's been kind of slow, but it looks like it's ready and gassed up to get into spring. We'll talk to her all about when we come back to Gary and Shannon.
2: It's Market Monday on Gary and Shannon. Because everyone loves money. And alliteration sounds great on the radio.
1: Gary and Shannon, KFIAM AM 640. Well, before we say hello to Rebecca, just a terrible scene there in Toronto. Driver in custody, guy who armed himself with a rented van, a rider van, and plowed into a bunch of people on a sidewalk today. There in Toronto, 1.30 local time, north end of the city, the business district. It absolutely appears like it was deliberate. Uh, Police on the ground saying eight to ten people were hit. We don't know the extent of injuries or worse, and uh, we don't know what this guy was thinking. But we do know that this has happened before, these ISIS-inspired attacks where they say, you don't have weapons, no problem. Arm yourself with whatever you can to do the most damage, and that certainly seems Sadly, like what we're having today. Uh, Other big story today, coming out of Nashville, the Waffle House killer uh, was taken into custody, found in the woods with a handgun still on him. Of course, he's the guy who bust into that Waffle House yesterday morning, killing four people. A federal official now says the father uh, could face charges for returning the guns that were taken from him after an incident last year at the White House. Remember, the the son uh, was at the White House. Secret Service were alerted. He said he was there to, to meet the president. The FBI said, yeah, let's make sure this guy doesn't have any guns. All right, can we do that? So local authorities took his guns from him. Well, dad went back to the local sheriff's office and said, I promise if you release the guns to me, I'll lock them up. You won't have any access to them. And, and the authorities believed him. The dad this morning admitted that he gave his son back at least one of those guns. No, got to be two because he was he had that AR-15 that he murdered the people with and then he had a handgun on him. So dad now looks like he uh, he could be potentially in violation of a federal law. Rebecca Jarvis joins us now for Market Monday. It's always nice to talk to Rebecca. Always puts a smile on my face. ABC News chief, biz, tech, the economy. She is the senior correspondent there and our friend, also host of the No Limits podcast. How you doing, Rebecca.
12: I'm doing very well, Shannon. It's great chatting with you. I hope you're doing well. How
1: are you? I am. No Gary today, but that's all right. I I don't know if he uh, got himself too worked up over the Westworld season two premiere. Did you watch that? I didn't. Uh, I think I'm thrown in the towel. You know, season one was enough for me and Gary's so into it that I'll just listen to his recaps and And, (laughs) you know, there's just too many there's just too many holes to go down in that show. You know, there's too many conspiracy potential theories. And uh, I just can't do it. I got it. I
12: understand. Well, I'm still really happy to be with you.
1: Absolutely. Let's talk about the economy. It looks like it was there's a slowdown, but that's what happens every first quarter, right?
12: Right. Exactly. So. So we're expecting to hear that that things were not growing as quickly when we hear this on Friday. We're expecting we're going to hear that things are not growing as quickly in quarter one as they were in quarter four of last year. That is traditionally what we see. No one is uh, s- sending the alarm bells just yet. Um, but there are some signs out there. For example, we just had um, the longest losing streak in the market since March of this year. Um, markets closed a little bit lower today. Google – the parent company of Google, Alphabet, just released their earnings. They beat expectations, which could be a, a positive signal for the rest of the earnings season. We've got 40 percent of the S&P 500 companies that are reporting earnings this week. Um, but the other big story that Wall Street is watching is the yield on the 10-year because it started this year, January, at about 2.4 percent. And now it is within inches, uh, millimeters from the um, from from three percent, and the reason that people are thinking about this, the reason that this matters, Shannon, is that uh, this is this is a rate that has has to do with borrowing, how much we spend, how much we pay to borrow money, and when you see that rapid move higher, that spike higher in the ten-year Treasury, that means the cost of borrowing is getting more expensive. And while yes, these rates are so rock bottom compared to where they historically are, Uh, they still have been rising and rising quickly over this year. And the concern is when things get more expensive, when the cost of borrowing gets more expensive, people borrow less money. So that means fewer mortgages. That means less business expansion. That means less auto loans because those loans are all more expensive. And that can mean a slowdown in the overall economy.
1: When do we see any, uh, any, any changes there or any more of an indication of which way it's going to go?
12: Well, for now, it's first of all, we're seeing some of it. You're seeing it play out a little bit in the mortgage market, in the new home construction market. But where you kind of wait to see the ripple effect, the the main reaction right now is happening in the market itself, in the stock market, in the bond market, because of what we historically know when you see rate rises like this, they can have a negative impact on both the market and the real economy. That said, um, the ripple effect in terms of a really negative thing hasn't happened. Um, We're still in the early stages. And again, like I said, this is still historically very, I mean, the cost to borrow is still historically very cheap. It's just that it's been so rock bottom for almost the last decade. All of a sudden, we're sort of entering into this new world where all of a sudden rates are rising versus being stagnant or zero.
1: Got it. Um, so not time to freak out yet. Just something to keep an eye on. <laughs> well,
12: I mean there are there are definitely those on the sidelines. There are some on the sidelines who are sounding the alarm, but there are plenty who are also still uh, bullish and who feel like, well, we've known that this is coming for a long time. Rates don't stay. Uh, where you know zero percent, I'm using that um, you know metaphorically, but they don't stay at these levels forever. And as they start to climb, all of a sudden that does maybe take some of the wind out of the sails. And as what we're seeing here in the United States is also happening around the world right now, where we're in an environment around the world of rising interest rates, which is a very different kind of environment than what we've been in over the last decade. Still, though, there are these signs of strength and you're seeing, for example, signs even of inflation where uh, the cost of goods is going up. There's inflation in, for example, oil prices. There's inflation in what businesses are paying for their supplies. And that is also a sign of growth in the economy.
1: Rebecca I wanted to also talk to you about Zelle that service that allows yes. us to send money to and from our friends because whenever I don't know about you but whenever I go on to the app of my bank or the website for my bank I feel what is probably a very false sense of security and when I go on the app and I see the button that says Zelle and you and I I've had like a, a, a maybe like a gut instinct of <laughs> I don't know if I want to use that. I don't feel like it has the security that I usually would think that my banking app would have. I don't know. there's Something seems off. And now... I was reading about how this has been so irresistible to hackers, uh, the money-sharing app, and uh, what we can do to to, to guard ourselves from that. Can we talk about that when we come back?
12: Yes, please. I'd love to talk about
1: that. Awesome. Also, why it could pay to start booking your summer vacation this week. We'll get into that. Also, your chance to win $1,000 coming up. Brought to you by Cunning Dental. Need a new smile? Call Cunning Dental for a free exam, 888 640 smile that's coming up next on Gary and Shannon. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. And how about uh, how about we give away these thousand dollars?
2: Your shot at one thousand dollars now. Text the keyword LUCK to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's LUCK to
1: 200-200. We are talking with Rebecca Jarvis, ABC News Chief, Business, Tech, and Economy Correspondent, also host of the No Limits podcast. We'll find out what's coming up on her podcast. But first, Rebecca, tell me about Zelle, uh, I guess the bank's answer to Venmo.
12: Right. So Venmo is this hugely popular service where you can exchange money with friends. So let's say someone babysits for you, you want to pay them, or you owe a friend some money, you want to pay them. Pretty simple. You just go into Venmo and you exchange the money there with only a few clicks. Well, the big banks said, wait, we got to be competitive with Venmo. Venmo is very popular. So the banks got together and they launched a service called Zelle, which 18 banks currently Some of the biggest ones are a part of it. Seventy other banks are getting ready to be a part of it. But the issue, Shannon, and you mentioned this before the break, is that Zelle is, according to analysts, becoming hugely popular with con artists. And what's happening is because it only takes a few clicks to exchange that money from account to account, unfortunately, some people's accounts are getting drained with all of this. And I think that it really speaks to one of the fundamental issues, which is, You want to make – the banks want to make it easy for people to use the service. That's the whole reason Venmo was so popular. But the problem is when you make it too easy to share money and pass money between accounts, you end up with situations like the one uh, a couple of users of Zelle are in, which is where they send the money. And it turns out that they sent the money to the wrong person. There's there's a, an example of somebody who he used his mom's uh, phone number, because that's one of the ways you can look up someone on Zelle. You use a phone number. Well, it turns out that the number that was on file, that his mom had had the same number for about three years. The number, her number was on file with a different user. So the guy transfers money, thinking he's transferring his $250 to his mom. Turns out he... Transferred it to somebody else's account with the same phone number as his mom, and he can't get the money back because he actually authorized the transfer. Now, in in the world of, of bank transfers, if there's actual fraud, then you should have a claim on that money. So if somebody was able to hack into my account and use my account to transfer money fraudulently, I might have a case to get the money back. The problem is if I transferred the money, but I used a phone number that either was intended to be for one person, it turns out it's not their number, or I accidentally hit the wrong number. Well, once that money's out of your account, gone for good, which is why you need to proceed with caution using these types of apps.
1: So how are con artists doing it? Like, how are they getting people to wrongly send money in in the wrong place?
12: So part of it is they're, they're making it because this is such an easy thing to do. Those who are not even familiar with Zelle can be very susceptible to hitting send and making the transfer. There's also, unfortunately, Zelle... Is not as it sounds from analysts appraisals of it is not as strong um in terms of its encryption and how they're protecting issues okay. as your actual bank is um but because so many banks are involved they're going to have to improve things pretty quickly in order to you know keep up with our changing times if you look back. Craigslist, PayPal, Venmo—they all faced this early on in their uh, adoption as well, where they they had issues with some of their features, and they had to develop and adopt um, new new protocols, new things that would keep users' money and information safer. And I, I'm hopeful that that will be the case here, especially because they've got so many of the big players already on board and are introducing this to, um, you know, to 70 more banks coming up. But I think one of the big keys here, Shannon, is you think about as we as we as consumers get more and more comfortable with these newfangled ways of whether it's shopping online or taking a, you know, Ten years ago, who would have thought of Uber? Now most people, a lot of people, are familiar with how to make it happen. Um, and I think as a result of that, all of these businesses are having to develop, and uh, and especially on the security side, they're having to invest more and more money, and that's part of it. because. Everything is susceptible to hacking.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just it's it's a bad move in my opinion for the banks because they're losing credibility. If if I go to my banking app and I know that it is secure and there's the Zelle uh, button on there and it's not right. as secure, then I'm gonna I'm gonna start thinking less of my bank. Because, exactly, you know. and you have to hold them accountable. The problem is, it's like you, if
12: you were to change banks, eighteen of the biggest banks are already involved in this, so it's not like you're gonna just go change to the to the other bank. Right. Up- they're probably involved in it as well. $75 billion moved through Zell's network last year. $75 billion. That's more than twice the amount of what customers did with Venmo. That's crazy. So there needs to be some reliability and accountability here.
1: All right. Hipmunk.com says we should plan our summer airfare this week. It could mean some real savings.
12: Now is the time. You can save 12% by booking that trip this week. Hopper had a really interesting statistic, too, that said if you go online today, for example, and you look up those fares, you could go online tomorrow or the following day, and you're likely to see a drop in that price. So if you wait 24 hours after you very first look at a a fare, two out of three times that price drops within 24 hours, according to Hopper. 14% of savings, 14% savings on average. So good idea to look today, book
1: tomorrow. Rebecca, what's coming up on No Limits?
12: So we have an awesome woman. Her name is Nikki Landakis, and Nikki is the CEO of Equinox Fitness Clubs. I'm not sure if you're familiar with those or not, Shannon, but they are uh, world, all over the world. She started out in her family's diner. She got into the business of hospitality, and I love her story about going after. She, she wanted to work for Marriott early in her career, and she interviewed there 12 times before she got the job, and she kept calling the CEO's office over and over
1: and over. Wow.
12: Never actually talked to the CEO, but managed to make it through to the right person at Marriott and got a job.
1: What an incredible attitude to have.
12: Yeah, to... I think it's a good lesson. It's a good reminder that most people, you know, you see a lot of people at the top and you think, wow, if I could only be there. Well, to get there, they had to hear no millions of times before they got to yes.
1: And tell me about your affection for Kanye West's Twitter. Uh-huh. Handle.
12: <laughs> <laughs> so I just I am. There's a lot of the Kanye tweets. I don't. Are you reading his tweets?
1: Yeah. No, as soon as I saw yours, I did the deep dive and and you're absolutely right. They're pretty good. There's there's
12: a lot of good sentiment there for this moment in time. I mean, I am not endorsing him whole scale, but I do think that like a lot of the things that he's saying are resonating
1: with me right now. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Some of them are just like very simple thoughts. It's like, That's absolutely right, Kanye.
12: It's very carpe diem, and it's very be true to thine thine own self, be true. And I'm like, that's a good sentiment for this moment in time.
1: (laughs) Rebecca Jarvis, thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you next Monday for Market Mondays. Coming up next, uh, let me say, we have had a lot of news today. We are going to go down the very latest of what we know is going on with – what happened in Toronto? Uh, the van plummeting into uh, a huge crowd on the sidewalk there in North Toronto, as well as the latest in the investigation to that Waffle House killer. We'll have all the latest for here uh, for you here on KFI. Gary and Shannon. I can't wait
7: to go home.
1: Gary and Shannon, KFIAM 640, more stimulating talk. Gary will be back tomorrow. Uh, We've had a lot of news and a lot of it not great to tell you about today. Of course, we all woke up with the news that we still had a manhunt going on. For a man who walked into a Waffle House parking lot yesterday, early yesterday morning, about 3 a.m., and shot and killed two people, went into the actual a restaurant and opened fire, killing two more before there was uh, another person inside that was able to wrestle uh, an AR-15 away from him. Uh, well, he is in custody. We'll go through all the details uh, of that story. But then we're hit with another gut punch during the show when we found out that a white van plowed into pedestrians in Toronto today, injuring possible eight to 10 people, according to police. The Public safety min- minister told reporters just moments ago, there are obvious casualties here. There have been firefighters that have said there are a number of casualties. There are a number of people who've lost their lives. So we ha- we don't have many details on that, just from what we're hearing from people there on the ground. The driver is under arrest There was a witness to Ali. He told CTV News he was driving in his car when he saw this white Ryder van jump the sidewalk and people walking were, in his words, crumpled up. He was just hitting people one by one going down, this guy said. It was a nightmare. Another uh, witness, Phil, Phil told CTV News that he saw shoes and hats flown everywhere. He could barely remember the horror that he witnessed. He could barely even speak. He said, I'm so shaky. I can't believe this is happening. This is so unbelievable. The state of shock lasts quite a bit, I would imagine, when you witness something like that. Uh, He says, assumed at first that the driver was experiencing some kind of medical emergency. Because that's where your head goes, right? even though we've seen these attacks before where people take vans or trucks or whatever they can to plow into pedestrians and crowds, there's still a part of us that doesn't want to believe that people are that bad or can be that bad. Your first inclination of, oh, the oh guy must be having a heart attack. Said, I thought he had a heart attack or something, so I was trying to chase him on the way, trying to catch up. Said the driver was driving very fast. Uh, one witness said the vehicle was going 60 to 70 kilometers per hour. One man, uh, manager of a restaurant there, said he saw the white van hit the bench in front of his restaurant. He runs outside, sees two or three people on the ground, one man who appeared to be in his 20s, losing a lot of blood. So this uh, restaurant owner brought him a towel and water and called 911. 911. An eyewitness, Diego, told NBC News that he saw several pedestrians on the ground surrounded by crowds of people screaming and crying. The driver, he says, was swerving back and forth between the sidewalk and the road. He he saw his targets, and he was just going to hit every single one he could. He says, "I, I saw the van hit two people, then kept going. About five, six people he said, I saw them being resuscitated by bystanders and ambulance drivers. It was just awful, brutal. So we're supposed to have a press conference from Toronto coming out uh, maybe within the hour or so so we'll uh, we'll go live there if it happens before the end of the show but it's just it's just horrible that people continue to listen to ISIS and think that they're going to have some sort of great merits to them if they uh, kill a bunch of people who don't believe what they believe. And and I know that ISIS had said, well, this is a response to Syrian airstrikes and things of that nature, but when is this a response to anything? When uh, is that okay? The other big news is uh, the Waffle House shootings. The manhunt is now over. They have arrested this suspect, in the killing of four people at the Waffle House in Nashville. Nashville started the day very tense. Uh, Schools were on modified lockdowns. Yesterday, this was a guy who drove to the Waffle House there in Antioch, uh, waited outside in his car for several minutes before getting out of his vehicle with his AR-15. He was wearing only a jacket. That's it. Just a jacket. And he uh, he shot and killed two people in the parking lot there, went into the restaurant, opened fire again, struck several people. I mean, there's some people fighting to keep limbs at this point Uh, until a man by the name of James Shaw Jr. saw who was hit, by the way, was hit in that first burst of gunfire. And then he sees the shooter kind of put down his weapon, and he decides to act.
7: really wasn't a, a, a process of thinking. It was more so of a a, a now. Um, you have to do this now, or it's not going to be. If, if if I let him load that weapon, it wasn't going to be another window. It wasn't going to be another chance. It was pretty much like shooting fish in a barrel, because literally it was pretty much like this, a brick wall behind us, and it was nowhere to go. He was trying to reload. Not exactly sure, but I saw my opportunity in my window.
1: James Shaw Jr. is his name. He says he's not a hero. He was just trying to save his own life. How's that for honesty? So he's able to wrestle the AR-15 out of this guy's hands, and the shooter takes off naked into the woods. Tennessee Bureau of Investigation adds the shooter to its top 10 most wanted list immediately. FBI gets called in. Alcohol, tobacco, firearms gets called in. Highway Patrol gets called in. All hands on deck to find this guy because they believe that he had another gun with him. He has had many encounters with law enforcement. Uh, There was an arrest near the White House last July when he uh, he wanted to go there to meet the president. Uh, All right. Let's go live to Toronto. It seems like they're kicking off that press conference now about the man who plowed into pedestrians. The Deputy
10: chief will have more to say about that uh, in just a moment. I also want to say that this is a time when this community should come together. These are not the kinds of things that we expect to happen in this city. We hope they don't happen anywhere uh, in the world, but we especially uh, don't expect them to happen in Toronto. But uh, things are as they are. And beyond uh, supporting our first responders as they continue to do their work, You'll hear more about the uh, task that lies in front of them, investigating this terrible tragedy. Uh, I hope that we will, as a city, remind ourselves of the fact that we are admired around the world for this being is Mayor John free, for being of Toronto. accepting and understanding and considerate, uh, and that we are uh, united in standing in uh, solidarity, especially with those who have uh, fallen uh, victim to this uh, terrible uh, tragedy today. Now, I have some very practical matters, and I just want to look at my notes to make sure that I don't uh, forget any of these, but I want to convey a number of things to the people of the city of toronto especially people in this area first of all we're asking people uh, who live here or who work here please do not come to this area if you're not already here Uh, the police and the other first responders have a lot of work to do on a very complicated investigation and it just helps with the task they have in front of them if people are not uh, in this area secondly uh, we've asked, and we are asking that all of the businesses and buildings that uh, are office buildings where people work uh, during the day, that those people would, in an orderly fashion, uh, close those businesses for the remainder of the day uh, and ask people to go home. Uh, it is close to the end of the business day for many people in any event, but we're asking if people will close their businesses, and we're asking for those businesses that are on the uh, east side of Young Street that they use Doris Avenue for those who are trying to leave by car or on foot, uh, and for those on the west side that they use Beecroft. In other words, we're trying to keep people off Young Street near uh, the scene of this tragedy so that the police can continue with their investigation and so that uh, there's as little chance of any kind of disturbance of the uh, scene of this uh, incident as possible. So we're asking that to be the case. Uh, I have already asked that the uh, city government building uh, at uh, Mel Aspen Square uh, be uh, closed for the day, and I think, again, it was close to the closing time, and so, again, I'm hoping uh, those people are leaving that building in an orderly fashion. Uh, We're asking uh, that people uh, who are coming home uh, to this area, uh, please do the same thing. If they can use uh, Beecroft uh, to the west of Yonge Street to get to where they're going, and if they can use Doris to the east, that would be very helpful. We have Toronto Police Service officers, and we have... Uh, As well, people from our Transportation Services Department here to help with the traffic flow uh, so that people can get to where they're going. Uh, But obviously, people do have to come home. But uh, again, if they don't have to come home for any reason, then again, it's going to be easier if they uh, don't come uh, tonight or if they come at a later hour so that not everybody is coming here at one time. Uh, With respect to public transportation, uh, as people will know, we have had uh, the subway closed at the North York Centre station uh, today but the trains have been passing through. Passengers are asked to get off at Shepherd and the trains then go through uh, on to uh, Finch uh, and the people are not able to get on or off at North York Centre and in fact the trains are empty uh, traveling uh, between those two stops going northbound. Uh, we're asking people to take that into account in their travel plans if possible to use uh, the York University, uh, Spadina University subway line uh, or to use other means uh, because obviously it will be more complicated than normal because we can't offer uh, shuttle buses on the section of Young Street that is closed and would be expected to remain closed. All right, we'll uh, some, uh, monitor uh, this, but time.
1: this is all local information. I'm assuming that uh, if you're listening right now, you don't need to know which transportation hub to take in Toronto, but we will monitor it for any new information that comes out and bring it to you when we come back. Gary and Shannon, KFIAM 640, Amy King's got the latest. Much worse than we thought, much worse than it was reported as details were slowly coming out of Toronto. At least nine people dead, 16 injured after that rented van plowed down pedestrians there in the north part of the city, the business district there. Again, nine people dead, 16 injured. And you kind of felt like you knew it was going to go that way when uh, we were just reading through those witness accounts, right? Because we had heard from police on the scene that it seemed to be eight to ten people. But when you heard people talk about how this van was just unrelenting, and would not stop and appeared to be uh, swerving between the businesses and the street there while on the sidewalk. It seemed like he was just trying to go after target, after target, after target. And and the front end damage to the van is just extremely chilling because the damage was done by human bodies. And you're looking at live pictures from the scene and people were, as you see so often with these terrible attacks, just ripped out of their shoes ripped out of their shoes. Um, there are cities around responding. NYPD adding additional officers in high-profile areas just out of an abundance of caution. They do have this guy. Uh, they have taken him into custody. They were able to get him. He, after he kill, uh, killed and hit all those people, he kept going in the van, the rented white rider van, um, until police caught up with him, were able to take him into custody. This is what ISIS told its people to do. It's people that want to be uh, ISIS fighters. Al-Qaeda's Yemeni branch encouraged its Western recruits to use trucks as weapons. There was a 2010 article, The Ultimate Mowing Machine. It called for deploying a pickup truck as a mowing machine, not and I'm quoting here, not to mow grass, but mow down the enemies of Allah. In September 2014, ISIS spokesman, called for lone wolf attacks using improvised weaponry. And that's what we saw again today in Toronto. There's no sign, by the way, yet there's no official word that this was ISIS-related. It's just, I don't know, an educated hunch. At the time, the ISIS spokesman said if you're not able to find an IED or a bullet, then single out a disbelieving American Frenchman or any of their allies, smash his head with a rock or slaughter him with a knife or run him over with your car. Let's hear what the uh, police chief there in Toronto had to say.
4: uh, My name is Acting Chief Peter Ewan. I'm here to uh, relate some information to you as to what happened today on Yonge Street. Approximately 1.30 this afternoon, Toronto police received a number of calls from citizens indicating a vehicle was driving on Yonge Street and striking a number of pedestrians between Finch Avenue and Shepherd Avenue. At this is this time what is known to us is we've located that vehicle. The driver is in custody right now and he's been investigated to the events that took place this afternoon. I I also want to offer my condolences to the families and the victims of this tragic event that took place. We can confirm for you tonight. Right now, we have nine people that are dead. 16 that are injured. Toronto Police Service has Mobilized all available resources, and I can assure the public, all our available resources have been brought in to address this tragic situation and to investigate this situation.
1: Well, there you have it. Nine dead, 16 injured in this van incident. The last time uh, these uh, bastards used a pickup truck to mow down people was actually October of last year. And I, gosh, you know, there's so many of these, you, you almost lose count. Uh, This was, remember, and you'll remember when I'm telling you, uh, eight people were killed, almost a dozen injured, when that man rented a pickup truck and drove it down a busy bike path near the World Trade Center in New York. They found a note near the truck used in the incident claiming the attack was in the name of ISIS. Well, there you go. That was the last one, October 31st, 2017. John is here. John, how are you doing?
0: You look funny sitting there all by yourself.
1: I know, it is lonely in here. It's very quiet. It's peaceful, actually.
0: Yeah, it's a nice retreat. Yeah. To be on the radio all by yourself.
1: It is kind of nice. Yeah.
0: I'll, uh, <clears throat> well, what we're going to go after is uh, the Ventura police and the whole Ventura uh, government for allowing this crazy guy to wander around for quite a while, this homeless guy. And then he walks into a restaurant and kills a man with the baby daughter sitting on his lap. It was just, it's one of the most horrific stories.
1: It's terrible, it's and, just and the horrible. thing and the thing is, is the police were given a heads up on this guy that night. Yeah, hey, we got a crazy guy. Like, okay, we'll monitor. I'm using the surveillance cameras. Yeah,
0: and for some reason, they only released two minutes of the video, and it's two minutes of him sitting and doing nothing.
1: That's convenient. The,
0: yeah, the the, the, the other uh, twenty minutes is not is not publicized that I can
1: find. Uh, I saved a bestiality story for you. Uh, Nick, Thank you. Nick brought it to me earlier, oh. and I decided to just go ahead and save it for you. It involves with a pet uh, husky. Yeah, it's it's no good.
0: And wanted his girlfriend too. hmm Built a sex chamber? hmm Well.
1: See, you do uh, it so much better than I'll, I would do it. I'll have to inspect <laughs> this further. <laughs> All right, Johnny Ken coming up next. Stay dry, everybody.
0: Farmers and Distillers Dining Room and Patio are now open and accepting reservations. They're following all the government guidelines so you can choose to dine out safely or if you want to stay in, they've got you covered. You can order for curbside pickup or delivery online at farmersanddistillers.com. They're also still offering a robust one-stop shop Founding Farmers Market and Grocery for all your daily grocery needs. Offerings include fresh produce, a prepared foods market, full bakery, butcher and deli, house-churned ice cream, house-roasted coffee, wine, beer, and more. Visit foundingfarmersmarket.com to order. Same-day delivery available.